Welcome to The Emil Show. I'm your host, licensed marriage and family therapist, Emil Harker, where I talk about all things relational. A TikTok with Wendy Walsh, if you check out her uh, profile on TikTok, she makes a statement about your inability to change other people. You can't change other people's behavior. You can't change what they think. And I think that that is terrible. I think that people have an influence. And what we're going to talk about today is how do we maximize our influence in our interactions with other people to adjust, change, whatever you want to call it, other person's thoughts, feelings, and actions. Stay tuned with this as I share with you strategies to change other people. The quality of our lives depends on the quality of our relationships. But what is it that determines the strength or quality of our relationships? For over 20 years, I've been working in the trenches of relationship recovery and greatness. I empower people to take charge of their relationships and single-handedly bring about desired outcomes. This show cuts through the fluffy stuff and gets to the nitty-gritty of what makes a relationship work. I'm going to teach you practical tools and principles to transform the important relationships in your life and bring about greater satisfaction and fulfillment. Get ready to transform your life through the power of relationship skills. It's time for The Emil Show. Okay, so you've heard that people can't change other people. And although that may be like the case, that you can't change other people, I think that that that's actually a misnomer. Because what happens is everybody influences everybody. And our capacity to influence depends on a variety of factors. If you don't have any connection with somebody, then the likelihood of you impacting their life is zero. So you have to be in a position of connection in order for you to have an impact on that person's life. Now, impact doesn't mean control. And I think when people say you can't change other people, I think that we need to be very careful about what we're saying. What we're saying is we can't control what other people think, say, or do. And I'm totally on board with that. But when people say you can't change what other people think, feel, and do, that doesn't make any sense at all. We can't control it, but we can sure impact it. And we need to understand the dynamics, the psychological dynamics and the relational dynamics that impact people's decisions. And I would also even add like the biology that impacts people's decisions. People don't actually change their mind based on new information. That new information literally is what confirms their open mind or their new perspective. So the added information or if someone believes a certain thing in a certain way and you approach them and you give them information that's contrary to what they currently think or believe, they don't bring that information in and, you know, reason through it. What actually happens is they have all these psychological mechanisms to avoid, discount, disprove, falsify, or kind of explain away that information that's contrary to their current position. 
And the reason why they do that is because they have all these mechanisms. We have these mechanisms in our mind to help us feel confident and secure in our world, which means that what we think about, we think is reasonable, rational, logical, in order to maintain some psychological continuity of, you know, our own sense of self. If we were constantly in doubt with what we thought and what we believed and didn't really trust what our own thought process was, then how could we be confident or secure in making any types of decision? So what happens is we get these these ideas through reading, through talking, through sharing with other people, and we start to like subconsciously develop a story about how things are. And once we develop that story, we kind of create a a model in our mind for this is how people are, or this is how the world is, or this is how my wife is, or this is how, you know, kids are. And that's a very efficient way to manage information and make decisions. But the efficiency in terms of energy does not mean efficacy or the effectiveness of how we make decisions in a certain interaction that we're having with somebody. Which means that there's going to be some times in our in our lives when we're going to be wrong. Or the person that we're talking with is off base with maybe their point of view or perspective. And sometimes... We assume that we're right because that's just the natural thing. And we go into a conversation trying to persuade the other person only to realize that maybe we're the one that needs to be persuaded. And then if you've ever been in that situation, then you'll also recognize that psychological discomfort of acknowledging that. And a lot of people will say, oh, no, I'm totally okay with that. I'm totally willing being proven wrong. And I would say, in certain circumstances, when you feel safe, heard, understood, yeah, totally can get that. But I think that most people overestimate their ability to handle feedback or being confronted or challenged without getting defensive and even being unreasonable. And I think you can see that on social media posts where people are being confronted or challenged with their point of view perspective. And it happens all the time in those political circles where someone gets got, and instead of them going, man, that makes a lot of sense, I'm going to change my mind, they just become dumbfounded and shut down. And I doubt that that actually changes their mind. They just probably get more upset. And then there's all sorts of other, you know, relational psychological tactics to either, they start to tear down the other person's character, character assassination. So if I'm not confident in my argument, the rhetoric, the logic of what my position is, then I'm going to just, you know, insult the other person and, you know, say something terrible about them as a person or about their characteristics. And that's a way to maintain my position without it being challenged. I share all this with you so that you understand that there are these psychological components that impact a person's inability to change their mind. And chemically, there's some components going on too. If you want to get people to be more able to learn information, 
then they need to feel safe and, and curious, okay? They have to be confused and safe, which creates curiosity. If someone doesn't feel safe and they're confused, then that's called anxiety. And anxiety releases cortisol, the stress hormone. And the stress hormone has functions to do the whole fight or flight thing. If I feel safe and confused, then I feel curious. And if I'm curious, there's another neurochemical being released. And that is dopamine. And dopamine in the brain helps facilitate plasticity, the ability to absorb and assimilate new information. And if that information is categorical, then I might need to change my mind about something or kind of open up a new file in my brain about this particular piece of information. And so we've got these different mechanisms in our brain that are turned on by the neurochemicals, the neurotransmitters in our brain. This is important for us to understand because if we aren't looking at our conversations in a biological point of view perspective and we think about it in just a logical like data transformation kind of perspective, then we think that our argument, if it has more logic and reason, it will persuade. And that isn't the case. Emotional closeness, emotional safety, feeling understood, and feeling confused is actually what unlocks the person's mind so that they can start to consider or explore alternative points of view and perspectives. Because Exploring alternative points of view and perspectives is risky. There's vulnerability in that that moment. And that's why it's so important for there to be emotional safety for them to become vulnerable. With all that said, what in the world do we do with that information to help us maximize our influence in creating change in the people that we interact with? Well, first things first, we need to create safety, emotional, psychological safety. All right, I'm going to break that down. Well, how do we do that? We do that by understanding the crap out of the other person. They make a statement, they make an allegation, they make a criticism, Instead of pointing out information that's contrary to what they say, thinking the information will compel them to change their mind, which they don't, we've all tried this, okay? We've all tried to counter-criticize, thinking that it would somehow make them realize how wrong they are. Doesn't work. So what we've got to do is we've got to take the time to really, really understand their point of view or perspective, which creates a sense of safety and connection. Interesting thing that happens with that process sometimes is the very process of taking the time to understand somebody, you literally can help them understand the crap out of their point of view or perspective. As they're articulating what they think or how they feel or their point of view or perspective, as they're articulating it and you're listening, they're actually more able to recognize those missing pieces of their 
perspective or their argument. And then they become more confused. Now, remember, one of the things that change people's minds is safety and confusion, which creates curiosity. And that's what we're doing. We're trying to do is we're, we're trying to take the time to maximize our influence by step one, understanding the crap out of the other person. Now, sometimes when I say understand the crap out of the other person, I just am doing it to emphasize the importance and the depth of it. But I'm also saying that when you take the time to really do a good job, you literally help them recognize the crap that is in their own perspective or point of view. So that's number one. We really take the time to do that. Now, how do we do that? How do we understand the crap out of the other person? Well, there's two different parts that we understand or validate. We understand the story, their point of view or perspective of how they feel. So that's one. We validate their feelings and the story behind those feelings. The other way we validate it is by the facts that we also share in our point of view or perspective. So when they make a statement about something, the natural tendency for us to do is to counterpoint. In other words, bring up something that we don't agree about what they say. Now that process just means disagreement after disagreement. And disagreement doesn't create emotional safety. And emotional safety does not help someone open their minds. So the opposite to that is to validate and connect with the parts that we can connect with. And if we can't connect with their point of view or perspective, then we can at least connect with their emotion from their point of view or perspective. Like, they must feel really strongly about that, or that's really important to them if they feel X, Y, and Z. So the language is, it seems like you really feel, insert emotion, because, and then you insert the story that they have that makes them feel that way. If that story resonates with how you see it from your point of view, then you acknowledge that similarity. So I can totally see why you'd feel upset or frustrated or disappointed if you thought X, Y, and Z, and that's what I would say if I don't agree with it, but if I do agree with it, I could say, I can see why you're feeling frustrated, upset, disappointed, because, and then I tell them what I agree with in terms of the, the facts, the truth that I can agree with with them. I can see why you're frustrated, disappointed, and hurt because, if I don't agree, I say, because you feel like I haven't been making you a priority. I haven't taken the time to talk with you or because I've been cold and distant. You feel like I've been cold and distant. Now, if I totally agree that I've been cold and distant or I haven't been making the other person a priority, then what I say is I can totally see why you'd feel hurt, frustrated, and disappointed because I haven't been making you a priority or I haven't been um, reaching out to you, whatever their complaint is. Now, I can do the same thing in a political conversation. When someone makes a, a statement about something political without me contradicting them, and I want to see if I can help change their mind, one of the ways I can do that is just by validating what they're saying emotionally, if I can't agree with them logically. 
So I might say something to the effect of, it sounds to me like you really feel like Trump would be the best president for our time because of how he's so ambitious and doesn't take any crap and he can kind of just, you know, he's willing to step on toes to get what he thinks is right. Is that right? And I check in. Is that right? And I just keep doing that until that person says, yeah, that's exactly why I think, you know, Trump's going to be the best president. I do the same thing if someone said, I think Biden will be the best president of our options. And, and this is why. And so I say, you know, it sounds to me like it's really important for you to have a president that can do X, Y, and Z. And, and you'd feel like Biden's a way better option than Trump. Is that right? Yeah. Now I'm going to explore. Tell me more about that. Tell me more. And I'm just going to keep taking the time to understand the crap out of the other person. Now, after I've been able to really assimilate, okay, all that information, and now I can articulate what they're saying in a way that's reasonable and understandable, doesn't mean I agree with it. Now I've created a sense of safety and closeness with that person. Here's, here's how it works. If you understand me, then by default, you become reasonable to me. Let me say that again. If you really understand me, because I think I'm a pretty reasonable guy, and if you understand me, then you become reasonable to me. And if you're reasonable and you're safe for me, then if you don't agree with me, then I might be missing something because you're reasonable. Now, if you don't take the time to truly understand me, then how can I trust that you're a reasonable person? Anybody can, you know, share their feelings or their opinions or their preferences. That doesn't make them an understandable person or a reasonable person. But if you take the time to understand me, then by default, you're reasonable. And if you're reasonable and I don't think that you're on the same page with me, then I become confused. Confusion and safety create curiosity. Curiosity releases dopamine and dopamine helps make my mind more plastic, more able to receive new information. Does that make sense? We can literally change people's minds, and I'm not saying change what they think, But we can influence what they think by changing the chemistry in their mind simply by taking the time to understand the crap out of the other person. This podcast, I just wanted to make short and sweet so that there's not too much you have to remember. We are in the political climate right now, and we've been talking about unlocking a closed mind. We've been talking about how we're going to approach this season of you know voting and all of the political parties and the conversations and the the divisiveness that happens from the polarity of the different political positions and i just think that it's important for us as as people to maintain our humanity and instead of running away from or getting angry with people who have different opinions or perspectives, that we, we lean into those differences with compassion 
with patience, with understanding, the kind of thing that we want people to do for us. And it's my belief that, and I've seen this with all sorts of relationships, where the stuff that we don't agree on actually becomes less and less and less the more we understand each other. This means that this divisiveness from the political parties and the combativeness, the hostility that's happening is pulling families, communities, people apart. And the solution to that isn't about trying to get people to think the same way, because I don't think that's healthy. I think it's to help people explore differences in a safe, caring, and I'm going to even say loving environment where people can truly feel heard and understood. I think it's in the process of feeling heard and understood where our our chemicals can make it easier for us to open our minds and use reasoning because we're using our frontal cortex, the part of our brains that are not responsible for fight or flight. See, dopamine helps us turn on the frontal cortex so that we can process, evaluate, explore, you know, measure out, reason through things. But if we're in a kind of hostile environment where I don't feel safe, then my frontal cortex isn't engaged, but my limbic system is because cortisol helps turn on the limbic system in my fight or flight. In fight or flight, I'm not going to be able to use my frontal cortex of processing new information. So my hope is that those people who hear this podcast can share this with everybody because it doesn't matter what political party you embrace. But I think we can all agree that conversations, open dialogue, respectful debates where we take the time to truly understand each other, that's going to help our communities stay safe emotionally and where we can get along even within our differences and we can capitalize on the differences and the diversities in our cultures, in our neighborhoods, in our our societies and kind of harvest the natural, the, the organic value that comes from diversity and enjoy the process, enjoy life while we're doing it. I hope that these thoughts will be helpful to you. If you've got questions for me, feel free to email me at email at emilharker.com. If you want to get a copy of my book, you can turn conflict into closeness. Seven Communication Skills for Successful Marriages, where I talk about how to bring up issues, how to respond to people who are critical, and how to do that in a loving way where you keep your cool, calm, collected composure, then go to my website and you can get my book for free. Yeah, all you got to pay is shipping and handling. I think it's like $7.95 and you get my book. Yeah, and I also have a book for corporate training. You know, if you're in a situation, a position where you've got a group, a uh, an organization that needs help in conflict resolution, email me. 
and I will send you my book on confidence in conflict, helping businesses turn breakdowns into breakthroughs. Thanks for joining me on this episode of The Email Show, and I look forward to sharing with you more ways you can make your relationships great on our next episode. Thanks for listening to The Email Show, where we talk about all things relational. If you want to learn more ways to increase your influence and garner more respect, pretty much have confidence in any situation of conflict, then get my new book, Confidence in Conflict. In that book, you'll learn why people get defensive in the first place and how to hijack the other person's defensiveness so they really can hear what you have to say when you have something to say. You'll learn how to disagree without being disagreeable. You'll learn how to deal with criticisms, blame, allegations, passive-aggressive statements, and a whole bunch more. You can get my book today by going to emilspeaks.com. That's E-M-I-L-S-P-E-A-K-S.com and get my book so you can get confidence in conflict.